Thank you for joining our podcast. We hope that this message will both teach and encourage you. Here's today's message. I like that. You belong here. It is a great place to belong. This is a great place to long for. But even better places to long for our eternal home in the presence of Jesus. Heaven on earth, a millennial reign, and all the things that eyes can have not seen, ears not heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of men what he has prepared for those that love him, but he's beginning to reveal it to us by his spirit. Isn't that awesome? We have an opportunity here in the month of the month of love, February, to let our staff pastors know we love them and appreciate them. And just I just wanted to get on your radar that on the sixth we're going to celebrate them, may even preach at them, I don't know. But we'll certainly, some are saying, they're saying, I don't feel appreciated. I'm not coming next that Sunday. But uh, opportunity for the Hentons and the Thomases as they serve, don't they? Just as a warm-up, you appreciate them and thank them for the way they serve the Lord. And as they serve the Lord, guess who gets caught in their crosshairs? We do. We all benefit as they love on Jesus and seek to pour their life out to him. They do it upon us. Talk about a win-win. Just doesn't get any better than that. We're still in this idea of lifestyle, and uh, we're going to do it without expanding the repertoire of songs. Uh, at, least, at least the lifestyles are not so rich and famous. But, you know, another song came into my mind as I was meditating over this, and it, and it, I, I referenced that very often country and folk singers have a way of telling stories. And it's that song where where I come from, where I come from, cornbread and bacon, beans and so on and so forth, right? Cornbread and bacon, cornbread and chicken, right? I see. I don't even know. So actually, Pastor Doug is not a big time country music listener, but when I hear those catch taglines, I go, "Well, hey, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Somebody got a hold of something there that has to do with everyday life." And when we're talking about lifestyle. We're talking about something that we do in our everyday life. If we're not careful when we talk about lifestyle, people say, well, that's my church lifestyle now. I put my church lifestyle on between the hours of 9 a.m. on Sunday morning and 1 p.m. after I go to the restaurant. That's my church lifestyle. But then I have my other lifestyle that, you know, you have to be practical, Pastor, and you have to live out there in that world and and so I have a different lifestyle. I take off my church lifestyle and then put back on my Monday through Saturday lifestyle. How many of you know that doesn't fly? It doesn't fly in the kingdom. doesn't fly before the throne of God. Uh, I would suggest to you that once you stand before his throne, don't bother coming up with that dodge. It's not going to fly. It's going to turn to ashes right before your very eyes in that moment. We have a much better hope, a much better plan, a much better provision, and that is this lifestyle of the kingdom of heaven. Now, Pastor Steve already made reference to those New Year's resolutions, and very often when we go into the new year, people start saying, I need to make some lifestyle changes. I need to make some changes in my uh, diet, in my countenance, in the way that I look, in the way that I present myself, and so on and so forth. But how many of us really sincerely come at it and say, I need to allow the Holy Spirit like never before to change some fundamental things 
in my lifestyle so that it is changed and transformed and I live a lifestyle of the kingdom of heaven. Amen? 24-7, 365. Everywhere you go with every circumstance and situation you find yourself in, we have a lifestyle of the kingdom that is meant to, it's intended to, it will stand up to the wear and tear and it will come through in the pinch and it will do you well. It will stand you well as you seek to have a lifestyle that reflects the kingdom. Remember that lifestyle is the interest, opinions, behaviors, and behavioral orientations of an individual group or culture. We know what people's lifestyles are. We can identify them very quickly, just like we can identify the lifestyles of the rich and famous or the lifestyles of the not-so-rich and famous. We know how people live. It's their lifestyle. How many of you have ever changed your hairstyle now there's two ideas about that one is you want to change your life your hairstyle and people not really notice in some instances other times you're upset if somebody doesn't notice a hairstyle is changed so that people notice and makeup style is changed so that people might notice the way that you do, where the way you dress, we change that style from time to time because we're ready for something new, something different, and really so that people might notice us. Now, that's not entirely evil, entirely bad. We, we want to be on people's radar. We're social creatures. It's important that people find us significant, isn't it? It sure is. It's important that people are watching us and that we have a lifestyle that reflects something not of just this world, but something of something out of this world. So what sort of life does God have in mind for our lifestyle? If we're not careful when we think about the Christian lifestyle or sometimes the religious lifestyle, we immediately go, ugh. Why? Because it seems like we have bought into the lie that life has been drained out of the lifestyle of the kingdom. But listen to what Jesus had to say. In John chapter 10, verse 10, he says this, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. So any lifestyle that the enemy presents, any lifestyle that Satan promulgates amongst humanity Do you think it's designed to improve, to bless, and to bring people into contentedness? No. There's only one design that he always has. There's a drum that he always beats. There's a march that he always marched to. He has come only to steal and kill and destroy. Have you ever seen lifestyles go down in flames, into wreckage? We've seen it on the entertainment newspapers and in the TMZ and so on and so forth. We're constantly seeing people who have raised, been raised to the apex of being known by humans on the planet and then have been destroyed, utterly and completely ransacked by the enemy. There's the picture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But you know what? It's really hard. Let's be honest. It's really hard when somebody has $100 million in the bank to see their life as being destroyed. Let's be honest. It's really hard 
When somebody has a barn, a large building filled with Maseratis and Bugattis and high-performance vehicles, and you know that they have 10 million just in the one barn, and they have the jets, the luxury jets, and they go here and there, and they have the large yachts and all that, when we see that picture, it's really hard for us to look at that picture and say, utter destruction. It's really hard for us to look at that picture and say, look, Somebody's being stolen from. The enemy is stealing from them. The enemy is killing them. The enemy is destroying them. Some of us say, kill me like that. Now, let's be honest. Boy, I'd like to go down in flames like that. That would be something else. Just try me. Some of us even say, try me, Lord, see if I can stand the test. Test me with the millions and the billions. Jesus said, no matter how rosy the picture looks, basically, no matter how hard it is to discern, he's going to tell us the, the one irrevocable idea, something he says he only comes to steal and kill and destroy. Horrible picture, isn't it? Aren't you glad there's another side of that coin? Some of you are saying, Pastor, get to the good side. Get to the good side, Pastor. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. How many of you are interested in living a full life? Some of you are sitting there looking at me like, no, I think a quarter of a life would be good. No, no, you're really not doing that. Every one of us in this room have something burning within us that says, I want to live a life and live it abundantly. I want to live life and do it in such a way that I live it completely to the full. And hopefully our prayer is, Lord, I want to live such a life that it reflects the glory and the honor of Jesus, and it stands as a testimony in this time as well as the time in the ages to come that I am a trophy of your grace, swept up and changed by your mercy, transformed by your grace, and even the angels sing and brag on you about what a great job you did with that one. The abundant life. And so this lifestyle that we're talking about is an abundant lifestyle. Everybody say abundance. I sure like that better than the words like uh, decrease, lack, hardly enough. So the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life. And who's the they? Well, it's Brian. It's Ricky Z, the guitar player. Right? It's Bill and Jeanette have come to us from Colorado. His, that's the they. You might look to your neighbor and say, we're the they. I'm in the they. This is one time when it's okay for you to identify your pronoun, I or me, with they. It's okay to get in on the they here. I have come that they may have life and have it full. But notice that he says may have life. Notice it doesn't say shall have life. Why? Because there's this pesky little thing called your will and my will. There's this pesky little thing called my personal response to the offers of God's grace. There's this thing that God doesn't do, and that is that he doesn't take you by the shoulder, stand you up, and push you through life. He doesn't even drag you. He has promised, though, that he'll walk with you that he'll go before you and behind you 
and he will be your rear guard. That he will be on the left and the right, and he will speak into your ear and tell you which way to go. And if you will listen, if you will heed, if you will obey and put those steps together, let me tell you where he'll lead. He will lead you into abundance. He will lead you into fullness. He will lead you right smack dab into the middle of His grace. And you will have a lifestyle of God's provision, a lifestyle of God's abundance and God's fullness. And something will happen when people look at you. They might not be able to define it, but they'll know something. There's something going on with this one. And you know what? I like to have some of that. I really like to have some of that. Now, 1 Thessalonians 5, chapter chapter 5, verse 23, tells us how we're made. The psalmist said that we are wonderfully made, right? Wonderfully made. Next time the enemy perches on your shoulder and starts to beat you up about yourself, you simply say, God has made me wonderfully. God has made me intricately. God has made me with so many systems and complex things that interact that only he can keep track of it. Even medical science throws their hands up and says, well, that part of the system we understand, but there's still a whole lot that we don't get. And the psalmist declared it. You have made me. You formed me in my mother's wombs. In my mother's womb, there's, there's some great things, majestic things, awesome things that you have in mind for me. So this God who has made you and I has made us in his image and we get a, a little clear, clearer picture of that when we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, May God himself, the God of peace. Don't you like that? The God of peace. The cessation of hostilities. The one who can bring wholeness and well-being into the most dysfunctional situation. Why does he have to be the God of peace? Because we're the people of unrest. Because we're the people of indecision. Because we're the people that are knocked to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Because we're the people who are dealing with the ups and downs of human life. We're the ones riding the roller coaster. We're the ones that's trying to swing at the curveballs that life is throwing at us. May God, may himself, the God of peace, I love that, may God himself. Not the God who is out there, up there, somewhere else. But the God who he himself has come and revealed himself to you and to me on an individual level. The God of peace sanctify you through and through. What does that mean? Set you apart to his purpose. How many of you have ever been set apart to a purpose? When you get a job, you turn in your your CV or your resume, and they look at you and say, here's what we have need of, here's you. And sometimes they'll put a square peg in a round hole. You ever felt that way? Very often we feel that way in the employment world. This over here really is what I'm geared to do, and this is what I really like to do, but over here is what they have me doing, and I feel some connection there, but there's still some loose ends, some things I don't quite fit in. And he says he will sanctify you, set you apart to the purpose he has in mind for you. Isn't that great? God has shaped you, made you, created you, designed you just the way you are. By the way, there's only one you. Only ever will be or ever will be. One. Very unique. No one else like you. May your whole, he will sanctify you through and through. 
He'll work every detail all the way through who you are in every situation, excuse me, (coughs) through and through. May your whole, everybody say whole. I like that. There's a relationship between holiness and whole and wholeness. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever found fault with your body? Don't throw your hands up and start testifying now. Have you ever found fault with some issues within your personality? There's times that we we set that private time and say, I wish I didn't always do that. I didn't tend to do this. I didn't tend to act this way. And we can get all the way down into our own spirit, the very depths of our being, the very supernatural beginning of who we are, the place where God visits us in the first. And this is the place where we're born again. This is the place out of which our soul is transformed, our mind, our will, and our emotion, and even... Our body's going to be changed. Hallelujah. I used to tease with my father-in-law, who was a merciless tease. His name also was Douglas. And we were constantly just teasing each other, and at times it was brutally fun. And he had polio as a young man and was accustomed to being on crutches with leg braces and at other times in a wheelchair. Boy, he could pop wheelies in that wheelchair. He'd do all kinds of stuff with that wheelchair. Amazing, astounding. And so I would just mess with him and say, just think, Jesus comes back or you pass away, you'll get a golden wheelchair. Wouldn't it be great? And he'd stop. I have no plans of staying in a wheelchair because God has some new legs for me. So when he passed away a couple years ago, Guess what imagery we have in our mind? He's no longer needing a wheelchair. No longer needing leg braces. The spirit and the soul don't need that. But here's the deal. He is going to be resurrected and be given a physical new body. I can't hardly wait to see what that new model looks like. I can't hardly wait to what you're going to look like and what I'm going to look like. And I halfway jokingly say, Get your picture when you were 25 and show your friends and say, not that wrinkled old thing that you said goodbye to at that funeral. Get an eye of that. That's before the wrinkles set in and worry lines set in and the crow's feet and, and the liver spots and the hip problems and the knee problems and the neuralgia and the problems with my stomach and all and the respiratory problems. There, right there. Get, a, get an eye load of that. Look for somebody like that. Some of us are going to get the shock of our lifetime. Should Jesus tarry, we pass away. And some of us in this room, under the sound of my voice, in the next couple of years, it's going to be your time. You're going to, in a moment, pass over, and there's going to be some people there to wait and greet you. Don't look for canes. Don't look for dentures. Don't look for wizened old people with white hair looking like crones and bent over and saying, oh, this hurts so bad. No. Look for some young people. Look for some people who can run and shout and leap and rejoice. Get a load of that. We might even have to say, by the way, who are you? Wow, don't you remember me? It's me. They say their name. Oh, my goodness. Now, those of you that knew each other when you were young, you can instantly, 
But maybe some of us will need some help. Hey, come look here, look here. And then when we get that new body, and we're in that new kingdom, and we're in the earth ruling and reigning with Christ in that glorified body, I want to tell you something. Look what, did you know it could do this? This is amazing. This is astounding. And it's going to be glorious because God has a plan. And that plan is not just for your spirit, not just for your soul, but it's for your body. And his plan is that it be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Arguably in 1 Corinthians 15, when we're resurrected, when we're presented blameless, not a spot of sin, no effects of sin or aging or death or worry lines, nothing, all banished from this new creation as we stand before him complete. Would you give the Lord a hand clap? That's a great hope. Some of you say, I think I'm going to go start going to the club so I can look a little bit more decent before that great day. Not a bad idea. But how about if we start on our spirit, work to our soul, and then let our body benefit? I think all three of them. He wants to do a work in all of us. He wants to transform all of me. He wants to transform all of you. Galatians 5, as we continue on, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, some of you have heard me bring this out before and i want to bring this out again in this context first of all he says against such things there's no law can you think about think of any law that could be written that could deal with love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control does somebody like that need a law no they live selflessly they live full of the character and the grace of God. They tend to walk like Jesus, think like Jesus, and do like Jesus. Did Jesus need a law? No. He needed to suffer and die under the law. But he himself could not be indicted. Did they rightfully accuse him? No. Did they righteously crucify him? No. But he had to suffer under that law as a thief, as a murderer, as the worst of the worst of humanity. He had to suffer for my sin. He had to suffer for your sins. And we were found guilty under that law. But we have this phrase, but the fruit of the Spirit. This is something other. This is something above. You can't have a law against the fruit of the Spirit. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified and continue to crucify the flesh. Didn't Jesus put it this way? If you're going to follow me, you need to take up your cross daily, die to yourself, and follow me. If you want to be my disciple, you have to take up your cross daily and follow me. How many of you much prefer to take up your cross once a year? How about like on Easter season, resurrection, that somewhere in there we take up a cross just for a day or two, then we put it down, put it in the closet, and then we pick it up again next year, this same time, for an, another celebration. No, no. Jesus said, you have to take up that cross daily, and you have to die to yourself. There's only one answer for sin, only one answer for the problems that we present to God in our spirit, our soul, and our body, and that is death. Dying to ourselves. 
those who belong to Christ Jesus have entered into an ongoing deal of crucifying the flesh. So today, I've had to work on crucifying the flesh. Guess what I'm going to do tomorrow? I'm going to work on crucifying the flesh and saying no to self. And then guess what's on the schedule for Tuesday? Doug needs to die. And Jesus needs to be revealed. How about Wednesday? I have it in pen, the unchanging. I need to die today, and Jesus needs to be revealed. How about Thursday? Friday, Saturday, not just a special occasion. This is the thing. But here's the promise, that if I die, then Christ rises within me. And he can act, and he can be seen, and people can receive from him. And I'll tell you something, it just doesn't get any better than that. In his kingdom, if you die, you're raised again with new life. And Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. They've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, how are we even here today? God created, the Spirit made it so. Do you know that there's not a person alive, a thing alive in all of physical creation as well as the non-physical creation that wasn't created by him and for him? That he spoke and the Spirit carried it out. We have the Father, the Son, the Spirit working in concert. And Colossians tells us that it was by Christ and for his glory that all these things were created. Everything has life because of the Spirit of God. Wow. Talk about the great common denominator. No matter where somebody comes from, what language they speak, where they stand on the globe, or what religion they happen to embrace, there's one irreducible fact. They have been created by the Creator, and the Spirit of God has been integral in that creation. Hallelujah. For some of us, that's a great revelation. So since we live by the Spirit, how about this one? Let us keep in step with the Spirit. How many of you have ever felt like you stumbled when it came to keeping in step with the Holy Spirit? How many of you have ever taken dance lessons? Some of you are saying, we're Pentecostals, we don't dance. We just do Jericho marches. We do the Pentecostal two-step. When, what happens when people take dance lessons? They tend to step on each other's feet. They, they act like they have two left feet. They have to get training. They have to get... And what does he say? Let us keep in step with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to teach us how to walk. Isn't that great? Now, what did we... Here is a great image. Many of us are parents in the room. Some of us have been experienced as kids. And we may not remember this, but we needed help walking. We take our first steps, fall to the floor. Take a couple more, fall to the floor. Then we start bonking our heads on end tables. They start having to put rubber babies everywhere because they need a a baby bumper. Right? Rubber baby buggy bumper. No, we're not going to get there. Some of you are going, no, it's too early and it's a Sunday. We don't do tongue twisters, Pastor. And then what we do is we alter our steps as parents and we slow them down and make them smaller so that we can hold that little one by the hand. And they can take baby steps. What do we do as adults? You don't teach that child to walk and start taking grand strides walking across them all. 
I felt like I was going to have permanent back issues because it was like this. Come on. Let's go. We're going to go over here in the mall. Come on. Okay, no, no. Get back up. Come on. Get back up. Okay. How many of you remember that? How many of you remember actually being the one stumbled into the floor? Wonderful memory if that's you. How is it any different with the Holy Spirit? Somebody's born again. They don't know the first thing about the kingdom of heaven. They have control over nothing. No, no orifice in their body can they control. They can't control their hands, can't control their feet, can't control their speech. They're just a mess. How many of you know when people are born again, they come in to the kingdom as a mess? And then what happens? People take them by the hand. The Holy Spirit in their life begins to challenge them, take them by the hand and say, come on, no, step back up now. Don't, no, don't quit. Don't you know that as a baby you decided that you wanted, didn't want to walk? There were times that you said, I'm not going to walk. I'd rather be in this bouncy thing in the doorway. I'd rather be in that thing with that tray where I can drool all over my Cheerios and play over here and pull the dog's hair and I can get anywhere I want inside of that deal. I mean, right? That's how we lived. Let's keep in step with the Spirit. Now, let me show you what the Holy Spirit wants to walk out in our life. How many of you want to take some steps with the Spirit? He wants to develop us in our spirit, our soul, and our body. Hello? He wants to do something in our spirit, our soul, and our body. How about this? Love, joy, peace. Don't you like trinities? I do. God is trinity. We're made in his image. Now, what is very interesting to me is that God has made provision of the fruit of the spirit, and you'll see that they fit very nicely in trinities. The trinity of love, joy, and peace. Where do we need that? Where do we receive that? In our spirit. What happens when a person's born again? Their spirit is now alive to God. It's been alive to the devil. It's been alive to unclean spirits. It's been alive to other spirits. But it has not been in step with God has not known their creator, and then he makes us alive, and what happens? We suddenly realize, God loves me. God has an everlasting love for me. God wondrously loves me. Oh, love of God, how rich, how pure, how measureless, how strong. It is the saints and angels' song, this amazing love. How can it be? that you, my king, would die for me. This is the love of God. And that love of God, he says, is shed abroad in our heart. So not only do we have it revealed to us, but then it's revealed in us, and something comes alive in our spirit when we're born again, and we suddenly realize that there's people that we thought were unlovable that we want to love. What is that? It's the fruit of the Spirit. We're taking some steps with the Holy Spirit in our spirit. Here's another one, joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength, right? And it's a sense of, hey, everything's going to be okay. It's all going to work out. Look, I'm in the hands of the Lord, and I'm going to take my confidence and put it in Him, and I'm going to rejoice in God my Savior because I know whom I have believed, 
And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And it's a joy unspeakable and full of glory comes up in our spirit and begins to inform our face and we might even glow. Amen? And how about this one? Peace. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives I unto you. Gives unto you because what? The world gives it and the world takes it away. But what does Jesus intend with this peace? That it come, rest upon our spirit, and stay with us always. And brings us, the God of all peace sanctifies us, that he comes and he he calms the storm. Or he carries us and takes us through the storm. And we have a sense, I've got a feeling everything's going to be okay. I've got a feeling. God has got his hand in this. The Holy Spirit has me by the hands, and he's walking me. And so down in my spirit, I know the spirit, love, the joy, and the peace of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Give the Lord a hand clap. God expresses life in our soul. What are we talking about? How do you and I interact as people? We interact socially. This is out of our soul. This is our relationships with people with beings and what do we need when we deal with people there's three there's a trinity we need brian when you're dealing with firemen you need this cindy i know you don't have any tough people at work for you but and you don't have a pastor you have to deal with but you need this dealing with me and with other people becky good to see you becky bling she knows this she's worked as a counselor amongst kids and working with parents and what do you need what trinity do you need what expression of wholeness do you need in your soul patience kindness and goodness people can be knuckleheads don't point at anybody i'm not okay i'm not pointing at you i'm doing this what do you need to deal with people born again people filled with the spirit people people you go to church with People you work with, people you drive around. Hello? What do you need? Patience. But don't pray for patience. What happens? You enter into testings to work your patience and develop it. So just realize, Lord, help me. I've got to deliver this. I've got to go into this eyes wide open. I need to develop patience dealing with people. Lord, you can deal with people patiently. Could you download some of that into my soul? Because I need to deal with people. How about this one? Kindness kindness being nice to people here's how we want to do it hey if they're nice to me i'll be nice to them aren't you don't you know that doesn't change anything how about this one be good to those be kind to those who despitefully use you be good love your enemies jesus said you have relationships with people and many of them don't like you and because of me they don't like you because of other things they don't like you because of their mom and dad because of their family because of politics whatever they're miserable they don't they need some kindness don't you know so kindness is in short supply kindness and goodness what's goodness to deal morally uprightly with people to handle them justly and fairly even if they don't deserve it. That you are morally good and you don't treat them with what they deserve or their just deserts, but you treat them richly in mercy and you just deal with them morally good. How else are they going to see it? 
unless you deal with them that way. And then this. God has an expression for our body. You ready? How about this for a New Year's resolution? Lord, let the trinity of your provision become available and visible in my physical body. How about this one? Your body only does what your soul thinks up. It's kind of a loose idea, but you get the point. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You do the right things with your body, and your body complains because it only wants to do the fun things. That's faithfulness. You are gentle with people, and they see it in your body language and in your touch. And they experience physically a gentleness. Don't you know Jesus was gentle? Now, not when he was kicking them out of the temple and throwing the tables over. But people experienced, children experienced his gentleness. People who were hurting experienced his physical gentleness. And how about this one? Self-control. Where you tell your body, no, no, no. You're not in charge. You're not leading this thing. There is another one I'm trying to keep in step with, and that is the Holy Spirit. He's the one that's leading me and directing me. I want to follow his lead. So, I have a couple questions for us to think about as we go into this time of worship. And to even take these with you this week. As we have this new year idea still before us. And we can have a resolution that says, I want to see that trinity trinity power of god in my spirit i want to see that come break forth in my soul i really want to see that in my body talk about an abundant life can you imagine living that out i think that would define for us an abundant life so how's your crucifixion going great question how is my spirit life is it once a week for three hours Or is it something I press into every day? How is the dance going? Who's stepping on whose feet? Are you walking with the Spirit and allowing Him to lead? He's the leader. He knows how to expertly dance through this thing called life. And we can go through it. Life's a dance with the Spirit. How is my spiritual lifestyle? Mm. How is my relational lifestyle? How is my physical lifestyle? You know, the same Spirit of God that was overseeing you being created can help you and minister to you in your spirit, your soul, and your body. And the God of all peace will sanctify you completely and make you whole, spirit, soul, and body, until the coming of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord bless you as my wife comes and leads us in worship. Hallelujah. Let's all stand to our feet as we're about to be dismissed. Makes you want to go out and have more than a resolution, doesn't it? Boy, it does me. Lord, What? where can we develop in my spirit? If I'm not careful, I go, let's have it all and let's do it tomorrow. How many know that kill you? It just smack kill you. That's, that's flat with it. But how many of you say, Holy Spirit, I've kind of shaken loose. I, I want to put my hands back in your hands, and I want you to walk me. I want you to move me. and Let's, let's deal with those things in my spirit where you want to give me life. Let's, let's deal with those things in my flesh, my soul, 
where you want to give me life in my relationships with people, in even my own body where you want to bring me life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have and have it more abundantly. How's the crucifixion going? Daily crucifixion. I recommend it. Then you come to life. And when you come to life, you get to live an abundant one. So, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for being so real with us and then exemplifying for us. You walked through a daily dying, and you walked into a daily resurrection in life in front of people. They saw the grace and the power of God. And, Lord, we want to see you in our life. We want people around us to experience your grace and your touch and the difference that you make. Lord, we, we want to do that in our life. We want to see that fruit of the Spirit coming out where people can sample Him. And we ask for your grace in doing this. We're going to need it every step of the way. And we thank you for your patience, Lord, with us and having so much in mind for us. Now, Lord, help us to go and walk it out to your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen and Amen. The Lord bless you. Have a great day. And remember, at 4 o'clock, Men's and Ladies Bible Study. Now, I think after that, They're heading to Brahms. That's what I heard. Until then, Lord bless you. Have a great day.